This is Eric Rutan of Cannibal Corpse. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast with Andrew McKay-Smith. Thanks for tuning in to the show. I appreciate it because I've got a conversation with Carmine Apice, and I believe that's how you pronounce his surname. I'm sure somebody will jump on it and tell me that it's not, but I think all three all three prominent members of the Apice Apice clan pronounce their surname differently. Anyway, conversation for another time. You know who I'm talking about because it's Carmine Apice. He's the uh, one of the very... He's one of the guys that invented rock drumming as we know it. Let's face it, that's just how important he is. Now, the catalyst for the conversation with Carmine comes about due to the release of Stop in the Name of Love. Of course, it's a cover, but the band is very prestigious. It's Vanilla Fudge, and this could very well be Carmine's and Vanilla Fudge's... Not Carmine's, but Vanilla Fudge's final release. It remains to be seen, of course, but it looks that way. So that's the catalyst for the chat. As I've alluded to, though, we talk about his career and a whole bunch of other things associated with uh, Carmine and what he's accomplished throughout the last, the past 50 or 60 years even, I think it is at this point. What a guy to talk to. I had nowhere near enough time to cover all of the questions that I'd like to ask. But either way, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Carmine A Peace. Good day, Bruce. <laughs> hey, how are you going? Uh, good. I did my Australian for you. Good day, Bruce. <laughs> Bruce. <laughs> well, you've been you've been here a few times. You know we love you down yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. I love it. I love your Australian accent. I fell in love with an Australian girl down there, and I didn't realize when I until I brought her to London that I wasn't really in love. <laughs> <laughs> and and you had this girl following you around the world, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh! Well, I see a set of drums there. What's that? That's my daughter's drums. Yeah, yeah and they uh, look a little small. Yeah. I got mine here. I got mine over here. I can see. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. look at all those yeah. golden platinum records to your on your left hand yeah. shoulder there. That's wonderful. Yeah, I, got, I keep going. <laughs> no, yeah. I'm not quite like Kenny Arnold. That's thirteen hundred. I was told. You're that's up there, though. Me. I remember years yeah. ago talking to Bob Daisley about you. Oh yeah, Bob. I get emails every day from Bob. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bob, no, Bob is a uh, uh, yeah anti uh, what's going on in the world now, including anti-vaccine, anti-virus, anti-government, anti-everything. I finally yeah. said to him, "Dude, don't you have something else to do?" <laughs> Yeah, I, said, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I did hear one of his interviews where he started to talk about, it, but then pulled himself up because he realised that he'd probably be attacked online. So he's clearly sending it out to friends and family messages. Yeah, isn't? yeah, he is. Yeah, and, you know, I, I think what he's trying to do. I mean, I told him I had the vaccine. He says, "I'm sorry." I said, I said "Okay, well, you know, I had to have it because you know I'm I'm traveling, you know." Mm. Getting on planes, sit next to people on double masks, and I carry wipes. I carry the, you know, the uh, sanitizer, and, mm. and do my best not to get this damn thing. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I know. Actually, I, I just went to the doctors yesterday, and they put a bit of pressure on me to get it to get it because my my wife already works in a COVID clinic. Um, I, I just don't. I oh, mean, so I just, you haven't gotten the vaccine yet either? No, I, ha- I haven't, but I'm not against it. I just haven't got around to it, to be honest with you. And I just, at the moment, I just don't need to get it because if, I'm in the state of Queensland and we're locked off from everybody. So, 
we are, we're in a bubble here, so there's nobody coming in and there's nobody really going out. Wow. Yeah, yeah I know. So, Bob said that this Australia is like locked down. I mean, yep. yeah, I've been, I, I moved to Florida and Florida has been open the whole time. When I moved here, we, we go out to restaurants and we did everything, you know, but, but uh, we have a couple acres of land mm. and uh, we're not like right next to anybody, you know, so it's pretty cool. But yeah, I think I think Florida had the right idea. Florida and Texas, in so far as it's about the individual choice, I don't think that's what it needed yeah. to come down to. That's the only issue I've got is that you know vaccine mandates, like in Australia now. I know this is the case with Amazon, I think, isn't it, and big companies like that in the states. But in Australia, companies are now mandating if you want to keep your job, you've got to get a vaccine, and I don't think that's wrong. Yeah. Well, that happened in, in our business. Well, we went going on the road with my brother next week. We told everybody they have to be vaccinated. Oh, yeah, we're going to be sitting in cars with them. We're not going to sit in cars with somebody that's not vaccinated. Because yeah. it's, it's a definite truth that whoever has been vaccinated has definitely been, uh, if they got sick, and a, friend, a couple of friends of mine got sick and they're vaccinated, and it was like mm. a cold. And yeah. you got other people that are not vaccinated and they get near to death. Yeah. Your situation, though, when, when you're in a tra you know, traveling band like that, if, if one person gets it and goes through the entire camp, then it, you can't work. Yeah. It's that simple. No, I understand that with your, your position. Yeah. So, you know. so we said, hey, look, either get vaccinated or stay home. Yeah. And, yeah. and well, same thing with Villa. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the good let's stuff. Let's talk about what you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's a privilege to finally chat to you, by the way. I've been, a, I've, I read your book, loved your book. Uh, love your drum. I'm a bassist, so you're one of those drummers I always sort of uh, imagine that if I, you're in my top five, put it that way. In terms oh, thank of you. Who's, who's the other four? Um, Nick Barker. I don't know whether you're familiar with some death and black metal no. drummers. Uh, Nick Barker from Cradle of Filth. Pete Sandoval, no. who I've spoken to a few times from. He's a Floridian. He's in Morbid Angel. Oh, yeah, oh, Morbid Angel. I know them, yeah. Okay. Uh, Morbid Angel. Um and then, then you start getting into uh, uh, Copeland, Phil Copeland. Um, Stuart, Stuart Copeland. Stuart, sorry, Stuart, Stuart Copeland, uh, sorry. Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Stuart Copeland. Yeah, yeah. Guys awesome. like that. Yeah, guys yeah. like that. You know, it, awesome. it tends to change, I but I love your, you know, um, uh, what's his name? Cozy Powell, God Bless His Soul was another one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yourself. It just, I love, I love what you and Cozy did, though. They're just a huge bass drum sound. You can never lose. Yeah, well, you know that. You know that came from Vanilla Fudge. You know, it was back in the day when we started playing. There were no PA systems. Mm. You know, so I got in a pawn shop. That's P A W N, right? <laughs> in a pawn shop, a twenty-six inch bass drum by fifteen or sixteen. It yeah. was a huge drum, and it was loud. So I thought, well, this will work. So I recovered it with my red sparkle, matched my kit. And I put the paper in like I normally put in. And man, when I hit that thing, it was loud. So that became the first 26 bass drum in rock. And then when I got my Ludwig endorsement, I said, well, I always wanted to play two bass drums. So I'm going to get two 26s and it'd be double the trouble, you know? And then at, the, at that time, you had Cozy and Bonzo used to hang out together mm -hmm. and they were listening to all the stuff I did. And then when Led Zeppelin opened up for Vanilla Fudge and I got John Bonham the same kit, you know, and then he was like, and then Cozy was like blown away. And so was Bonham with that kit. And then Cozy got to play with Jeff Beck instead of me because we had, we were going to do the band. 
and it got cozy. Mm-hmm. And then also later on, when I was asked to join Rainbow and I couldn't, they got cozy. And I kept saying, right. what are, you, are you my professional replacement or what? <laughs> you know? And then, but we were friends and me, you know, John Bonham were friends. But I, I didn't realize how gaga both of them were uh, about my playing until I read the Thunder of Drums book, mm-hmm. you know, by, uh, I think it was uh, uh, somebody from Melody Maker wrote it, you know? Okay. Yeah, and it, it was like amazing. But, but yeah, and, you know, and I love Stuart Copeland. You know, mm. I love I love reggae. I love the way he mixed it up. You know, uh, matter of fact, this other project I'm doing is uh, called uh, a Peace Perdomo project, and it's an all instrumental album. It's coming out at the end of the month. There's one song out now called um, you can get it on YouTube called Rocket to the Sun. Okay. We did a uh, a rock jazz reggae instrumental version of Do You Think I'm Sexy? Nice. Which is <laughs> really cool. And, you know, and I wrote a book called Realistic Reggae because I loved it so much. And I, when I was with Rod, we used to play reggae. You mm-hmm. know, I never knew what reggae was until I came to England in 1973. Mm-hmm. And I heard it and I thought it sounded like 50s music, you know, with the chord changes. And yeah, then I, definitely. Then I realized what the drums were doing. They were totally backwards. And then I started listening. I started playing it. I played in 76. I did an album with Rick Gretsch and, uh, and Mike Bloomfield. We had a mm-hmm. reggae song on there. And then uh, with Rod, we used to do Maggie May and then go into a reggae version at the end. Nice. And we did that all over the world. And we did a song called The Track is Female Wanted on the second album. I did it with Blondes and More Fun, which is a reggae-oriented song. You know, so I love reggae. And Stuart, one of my favorites, too. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. this new Vanilla Fudge song isn't reggae. No, but it, it's it's <laughs> it's an excellent song. I, I had it on about five or six times yesterday. Actually, I was at, well, I'm right. from home. As if we go anywhere these days, but yeah. working yeah. from home, I had it on in the background. But uh, the Supreme stop in it, the name of love. Would you call yeah. it a double A side? Because I did get the other side, the other um, recording, uh, the tribute to your bandmate and bassist uh, yeah. and vocalist Tim Bogut. So, yeah. is it? A, would you consider it a double A side as a release? Well, I mean, we did the the talking uh, word as a B side because our manager said they're going to release it as a single. We need a B side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, "I think it would be cool if you guys talk about Tim." Okay. Uh, and my girlfriend, you know, my girlfriend, my wife, with her 18 years, she's a radio talk show host in New York for years. She has a podcast that, that was just voted number 25 of, of a documentary podcast, you know, okay. on Apple Music and all that. And she, you know, I said, well, would you do this for us? Would you put this together? So she put the whole thing together. She interviewed me, uh, Vinny and Mark, put the music together and made the whole flow, you know, and... When we heard it, it brought a tear to my eye, and I sent it to Tim's wife. She started crying, you know. And a, a few people I talked to today said when they listened to that, it brought a tear to their eye, you know. Nice, yeah. And, and that's emotional. That's that's what we're trying to do, you know. Yeah, it definitely touches something. There's no doubt about that. So, is um, this might be an obvious question? So, apologies if it is, but. Um, Look, I understand you made things happen so as though Tim could record on the track. So is he the, the significant inspiration behind the release or is this something you might have done anyway? No, we, we uh, again, this manager wanted us to do an album called 
the Supreme Fudge, mm-hmm. in which we were going to do three quarter Supreme songs and you know maybe a couple of R and B songs, maybe one original. So the first song we came up with was this one. We started recording it in um, in December two thousand nineteen, and we just started hearing that Tim was really ill a couple of months before that. So we thought it might be really cool. We asked Tim, because he had stage four cancer at the time. I said, yeah. Tim, would you want to play on a couple of tracks? You know? He said, yeah, I would love to play on a couple of tracks. But he was retired from the music business. He, he hadn't played a gig with us since 2010. You know, we had this guy, Pete Bramey, who's been with us all this time. And Tim was his main influence, you know? He sings like Tim. He did everything like Tim. So, so we knew Tim was going to play on the album. And so we did this one track and then, you know, we did it just before Christmas and then we were going to, you know, continue in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, look, I'm going to go to LA for the NAMM show. Why don't we try and get Tim on the track? Right? He's really sick. You don't know how long he's going to last. Let's get him on the track and then we can go from there. So I went to the NAMM show and we went to my buddy Jorgen Carlson from Government Mule, Government Mule's mm-hmm. bass player. And we went to his studio. We used his studio once before because uh, we have a BBA live at the London Rainbow coming out. It's got seven new songs on it and we had to fix a few vocals. So, you know, a couple of years ago, Tim went there before he was sick and fixed the vocals there. So he knew him and and we thought that would be a good place for him to go. So we went there, we put Tim down on it, and then we realized the drums were screwed up. So I had to fix the drums somewhere. So once we got Tim on there, we just left it, you know, we had I had the multi-track on a on a hard drive. And then I moved from uh, Connecticut to Florida and I built mm-hmm. a studio, you know, and I was recording here and recording here. And then I got these old bass drums from my cactus days. From uh, I sold it to somebody. I traded him and he gave me the bass drum back. And these bass drums sound great. They're real old school. They sound great. So now mm-hmm. I got my drum sound really together. So then I was ready to tackle that song and fix the drum sound because there was leakage from the organ and guitar and the, and the, the other bass player all over my drums. You know, mm-hmm. So I couldn't release it like that, even with Tim on it. Even with Tim, when he played, he locked in with those drums. So when I played, I locked in with Tim. And then I gave it to my buddy, Pat Regan. He mixed it. And and while all that was going on was from June, July of last year, COVID was COVID. <laughs> so, so then it was like, there's no way we can do an album now because mm-hmm. I'm the only one that has a studio. You know, and nobody was flying anywhere. Nobody was doing anything. So our manager worked it out with Golden Robot. So since you got that one track done, why don't we release a single? So we said, okay. So then we gun ho to to finish the single. So look, I think having a listen to it, it's a if if this is it for Vanilla Fudge, and it sounds like it could be, of course. Um, it caps a glorious career. Um, your drums yes. thunder along in 
in the, the only the way that you know how to do it and the rest of the band yeah. do what they do best and Tim's bass is yeah. just a thing of beauty as well of course but um yeah or, or is it the end for vanilla fudge from the perspective is there unreleased material in the vault featuring Tim that you have plans on releasing? no I think I think Atlantic released everything that we have mm-hmm. and we don't really have any extra things you know I have stuff for Tim I'm trying to get a, a tribute to Tim Bogut album I have when when Mark Stein wasn't in Vanilla Fudge, we had uh, another version of Vanilla Fudge, and Vinny wasn't in. It was me, Tim, uh, Bill Pascali, and Teddy Rondinelli, Bobby Rondinelli's brother, mm-hmm. and that band was really smoking. Teddy was a monster guitar player, and we we did some new songs like "Bye Bye Love," "Falling" by uh, Alicia Keys, and "Star Spangled mm-hmm. Banner," and a whole bunch of other things. And Tim played unbelievable on it. So I released that on my own label as Bogut of Peace and Friends. So I took that and I added some other stuff that me and Tim did over the years. And I'm trying to get together a, a, Bogut, a Bogut of Peace and Friends tribute, tribute to Tim. Okay. You know? yep. But as far as Vanilla Fudge, that's it. But I mean, if this does well, then we'll continue when COVID lightens up a bit and we'll, and we'll put an album together maybe of Supreme Fudge. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be killer. But look, you do have a new cactus album coming out. I understand called tightrope. Well, we did, we did that already. It came out in Cleopatra. It came out in May May, or something like that. Um, But it, uh, we didn't get to tour. So, you know, it didn't do as good as we wanted it to do, but we're not over with it yet. We're going to do another video and we're going to do some dates this year and then do some dates next year as well. But it's probably one of the best cactus albums we've ever done. And it's mm. all over YouTube. It's called Tightrope and okay. you can you can listen to it on there. And, you know, like, uh, like I said, I got this new album coming out called Energy Overload. It's an instrumental album. Nice. But it really kicks ass. I got a young kid. He's young to me. He's 42 years old. He's probably older than you. I'm 43, <laughs> yeah. so I'm flattered, but uh, that's okay. Well, uh, yeah, I was right. he's your age. To me, he's, he's a kid. You know, he's, he's like 40, 30 years younger than me, you know? Yeah. And and uh, we're really talented. He plays bass, guitar, keyboard. And we did this unbelievable uh, instrumental album. We cut 18 tracks. And when I first set up my studio, that was the first track I ever did with him. And I thought, well, I'm going to work with this guy. Because he can keep sending me stems, we can write stuff, and I'm learning how to operate my studio, mm. you know. And then on this album, I got my first engineering credit, you know. Your first I, I got my Yeah, and I got the engineering credit on that fudge record too, because I engineered the drums and and a bunch of other things, you know. Good stuff. But it's never, interesting, though. Never too late to get an engineering credit. Then clearly, is it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's in? funny. Yeah, and now we now we got 18 songs with me and uh, Fernando, and we, we took 12 of them and put this album out, and we got six towards a new album record already. Yeah, so that's all good. And then I've been working on a, a box set of my guitars this record. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 25th anniversary box set. It's going to be four LPs, three CDs, and the CDs are going to have some of the songs without any of the guitar players, without vocals, and just unique stuff. It's going to have a, a medallion with my face logo on a chain with a guitar Zeus pick on the chain as well. 
Mm-hmm. And we did all new interviews with a bunch of the guitar players in a booklet. I'm going to have a new photo with my new image autographed in the album. That's going to be a real box set. We have a nice packaging. And then we got three new songs on it, in which you got Derek Serenian playing keyboard like a guitar player, mm-hmm. you know, from, uh, you know, Derek, right? You know who he is. Yeah, from Dream Theater again. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and we also got Tommy Thayer from Kiss playing on track. And we got uh, this new band that I'm producing called Kodiak, like a Van Halen kind of band. So mm-hmm. I put Chris from Kodiak on another track. And then I got a new track with Bumblefoot, new track with uh, John Norum, and Japanese guitar player named Shaw, new track with him. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of new stuff on it. And uh, so we're coming out with that in November. Okay. Gosh, so, you never slow down, do you? No, I mean... It's just all there. And now that I got the studio... It's easy. I walked through my garage. Everything's plugged in. Unfortunately, right now my studio is down because I had a, um, a lightning purge in the studio. I burned up my computer, one of my yeah. focus rights, and one of my screens. So mm-hmm. tomorrow, my brother, my brother Vinny is a computer geek. He built the whole system for me and tested it at home. So I had to send it out to him. He rebuilt it, and I get it back tomorrow. So tomorrow, yeah, nice. after my interviews, I'm going I'm to plug it back in and see and get it all working. So over the weekend, I'm going to concentrate on getting it working because I got stuff to do. I got a King Cobra album we're working on now. Well, you know, I'm producing yeah. this, uh, this, this woman who's a really talented chick. I also wrote some Christian songs. Uh, I'm getting mixed now. And uh, I did all the drums and uh, a lot of stuff here, you know. Christian songs. Tell me about them. Well, you know, uh, I almost died a couple of years ago on uh, from these nosebleeds I get. I was in, I was in uh, the Canary Islands with my brother. And on the way back on the plane, I got a massive nosebleed. And they dropped me off in the Azores. And I had to get a medical airlift to Paris. That didn't work. Another medical airlift back. My nose was packed with gauze. By the time I got back to New York, uh, 24 more hours, I would have been dead because mm-hmm. it was all infected. So after that, I started listening to the Bible because I prayed to God to help me. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I got through it. And then when I moved to Florida, uh, the dog trainer we had you know, saw that I was watching a Christian church on a, uh, that I used to go to in Connecticut on on, on internet. Mm-hmm. He said, oh man, there's a great church here. You got to go. And I went to this church. Man, this church was unbelievable. The band was unbelievable. And it was like a revival. The energy level, people freaking out, dancing, singing. It was unbelievable. So I, and they had electronic drum set, you know, which I sucked. So I called D drum and I got them a real drum set, you know, and now the drummer is a monster. This guy's an animal. I'm going to do a drum book with him on that to play Christian drumming, which is different nice. than normal drumming. So, I, so I got, you know, I got involved with these, with these people. And, uh, and I started writing these Christian songs and I got the singer and some of the female singers to play on it, the guitar player. And I came up, we came up with great Christian songs. And I listened to this Christian radio down here. And they're good songs. They're really good production, good songs. And uh, there's one guy named Zach Williams that did his, the whole album with Dolly Parton. What an amazing album, you know? So, so I got into I, I wrote three songs. And uh, we're mixing them now. I'm going to try and get a Christian deal for it. Mm. Not good on you, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, um, just to just to a time check, how much time have I got left? Uh, we've got about five minutes. All right. Gosh, I've got so many more questions, but let me pick one. All right. 
He played uh, drums on Shine On Me and Live and Learn with the great Marty Friedman talking about instrumental albums. Uh, what was um, it like working with Marty? You know what? Working with Marty was great, but I don't remember the track at all because I haven't <laughs> heard it in so long. But he was a, a great dude to work with. He's a nice guy and very talented, great player. Great, great player. And that's why I, I only work with great players. I don't, like, I don't do Joe Schmo's uh, demos, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, the chick I'm doing, I'm, I'm uh, producing and stuff, you know, she wanted me to play on a record. I said, look, I don't just play on records. She gets Kenny Arnoff to play on a record. I said, I don't just play on records, you know? I don't play in records of people, nobody, nobody knows them. Unless I listen to it and I like it, I co-write it and yep. produce it and get really involved. Mm. <laughs> that's what I do with her. Yeah, like that's, a, that's the first one I've done. And I can't remember the last time I did something like that. I'll go out with a bang. Here we go. What's the most underappreciated or undervalued aspect of your career that you think from a public perception? Um, I don't know. Man. I, I don't know. Really, uh, maybe uh, the fact that you know, you know, I came before Bonham. You know, a lot of people yeah. don't, don't get. They don't understand that. <laughs> they thought. That there was nothing before Led Zeppelin, you know. Yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, it was. It used to be really bad until that time there were drums record, uh, out. Not like a book came out. Because mm -hmm. when I used to say, you know, well, I did this first. I had the first big drums. So all the big drums. I had that first. You know, no, dude, John Bonham had it. You know, I'm not going to argue with anybody because yeah. I was there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but you know. But, uh, I don't know. You know, I think the most yeah. underrated thing of appreciation is the fact that Vanilla Fudge is not in the Rock Hall of Fame. Because mm -hmm. every band that we used to be on the charts with, in the top 10, they're all in there and we're not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I look we influence so many people between me influencing drummer, Tim influencing bass players, the band influenced bands. And then, you know, we go on to do become cactus out of that, you know, and then BBA. I mean, just, you know, there's so much history there, that, but it's, we're not in there. Yeah, well, whilst the whole ever, <laughs> I'm not having a dig at urban music here, but whilst the whole uh, ignores its own namesake and starts putting in musicians and artists that have got nothing to do with rock and roll, I can't understand yeah, why it's called I, rock and roll. I, I mean, they should, yeah, they should call it Music Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be rock and roll. I, I said yeah. that years ago when they put <clears> a rapper in there, I said, yeah. Come on, what's a rapper doing in there? It's not rock yeah. and roll. Sorry, this is back on the circus thing. Uh, I guess we're going. What was that? Good thing. I've got to get a new camera. But look, I'll leave it there. I know you've got another one coming up. Thank you for uh, making man. the music that you've made. If you want to, if you want to do more, contact uh, John. Yeah, and, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll We'll hook up some more in a couple of weeks or something. Okay. Yeah, I will definitely. Yeah, no worries. So I always love. I always loved Australia. I always <laughs> love playing there. I always love the accent. Matter of fact, on my phone, I have Siri has an Australian accent. Oh, good on you, mate. No, I appreciate it. Feeling the love. That's yeah. awesome, mate. Yeah. yeah Great cool, stuff. Dude. All right, man. All right, cheers, All right, Thanks very much. Thanks, See mate. You, mate. Talk to you Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. So there you have it, my conversation with one of the greatest rock and soul drummers of all time, Carmine Apice, or is it Apice? Either way, you know who I was talking to. He's the man. Hope we can connect sometime in the near future, and if we do, I shall post it on YouTube and also 
to the Scars and Guitars podcast via the usual channels. So if you like that one, go across to scarsandguitars.com where you can find over almost almost 600 episodes as I do this. So um, if you love what it is that I'm... Well, if you love rock and metal and you like conversations, not interviews, conversations, you will like what it is that I do. So go across to scarsandguitars.com and have some fun. Deep dive. You can also check it out by the Wooshka widget. I'm easily found. Just Google me, Scars and Guitars. I'm the only one. I'd appreciate it if you could like, subscribe, share, but most of all, leave a comment because that is how we get ahead using social media algorithms these days. Comments are king. Positive comments too would be superb. Any negative stuff, anything you don't like, I don't know. I don't really care to be honest with you, but um, yeah, leave it and I'll probably address it that way, but whatever. We've all got busy lives, haven't we? You people listening, I know I do. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of the Scars and Guitars podcast series. Thank you so much for tuning in, and until next time, it is goodbye for now.